Well, hey, uh, such a privilege for me to be with you here in uh, this role of bringing God's word. And um, even as I say that, I, I really mean it. Um, I'm looking at my brothers. I'm looking at my sisters in Christ. And uh, what a privilege it is to be together as the body of Christ and for the Lord to be working in us and working through us together. And uh, as we get in God's word, we're going to see once again that we need each other. And so even as I'm up here, um, I need you to be with me as we seek the Lord together. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, uh, praise the Lord for uh, the series we just came out of uh, that uh, teach us how to pray that Pastor John took us through and uh, getting after seeking the Lord. And I know I uh, grew in my desire to, to uh, get on my knees and call to the Lord and uh, to see us do that together. And very excited about next Sunday, um, getting in that series, Go Forth, with Pastor John's uh, The Life of Abraham. And uh, man, I can't wait to see what the Lord will uh, do uh, for us together as we get into that. Well, in this in-between Sunday... In between Sunday, um, we're going to get into 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you uh, open your word, get it on your phone, uh, get to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. And uh, we are going to uh, get after uh, the text here. But as we do, um, Peter here in 1 Peter already, he's been encouraging, he's been challenging his brothers and sisters in Christ to live in who they are in Christ. See, that's what he's been doing as we get to 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, right here, he gives us some specific objectives for how we are to live out our faith with each other. Because see, in Scripture, there's no lone rangers when it comes to following the Lord. We know this, right? That we are created for community. That we need each other to build up each other's faith and so Peter is emphasizing this here as we get to this text, um, starting in verse 7. That if we carry out these objectives, that we truly will be building up the body of Christ. So think of these objectives he's giving us as we start here in verse 7 and uh, read through verse 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And the church says, amen, amen. Well, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that you have entrusted to us and that we are gathered together as your children 
as the body of Jesus Christ? Would you give us clarity to even understand that even more, what it is that you have entrusted to us as the church? Lord, and in that, Lord, would you move us to following in your way, to living out how you have called us to do life together? But we cannot do this on our own. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that by the strength of your spirit, that you were to empower us to apply what is before us for the building up of your body and for all your glory. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the message this morning is building up the body of Christ. Building up the body of Christ. Our first objective that we see here in verse 7 is live... Live with urgency. That we are to live with urgency. Let's read verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. See, Peter and the rest of the disciples, they believed that Jesus could come back at any time. It wasn't too long ago that he had left them, but he knew that he promised to come back, and so they believed that he could come at any time. And actually, as we read right here, they believed that he was going to come back soon. He was going to come back soon, and that's how they lived. But we know that it's been now about 2,000 years later, and Christ hasn't returned yet. But what we read right here is just as true for each and every one of us as it was true for them at this time. That we need to live like Jesus could come back at any time. See, living with urgency is believing that he is returning soon. We know he's coming back for us, and we live with urgency. That's what Peter is highlighting here. See, the focus is, is that truly our time is running out. None of us knows exactly how long, that it, long it will be, but all indications are, right, that, man, this earth is coming to an end. Things are getting stirred up, right? And every day we're like, how much longer can this go? But see, Peter here isn't trying to get us to stand back in fear as the end is coming near. He's getting us to press in because we don't have much longer. He wants us to step into everything that we can have right now. And so as we do that, then Peter here, he warns us. You see that in the rest of verse 7. He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. See, because our time is so vital, we have to be sober-minded. We have to be self-controlled. It's so vital that we have that. We have to keep our mind clear-headed is really what the language is here. And so as I was thinking about that, it did remind me of a time that I wasn't so clear-headed and clear-minded. So I have to take you back to when I was in high school. And uh, I'll just say I was about 30-plus some years ago. Uh, and uh, again, for those of you that are more back by my time, when, when you're going to high school and uh, you're walking around, 
You know, you have uh, varsity jackets on if you're playing sports or doing other things, right, back, back in the day. And, um, and that's really cool. But uh, what's really cool if you're, if you're a guy is that uh, actually your girl wears your varsity coat, right? You know, so, uh, so again, I know I'm losing half the room here. Um, but, uh, but, you know, talk to your parents. Uh, talk to someone, you know, my age bracket, they'll, they'll get, give you the down low. You know, I had the number right here, you know, what year your graduating class was. So, uh, so yeah, and uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and um, I had uh, some eyes for this uh, girl who was a junior in high school. Um, her, her name's uh, Britta, and, uh, and so I had some eyes for her. But uh, here's the thing. She was wearing somebody else's varsity jacket at the time, and uh, he, was a, he was a senior in high school, all right? And, uh, and he was the captain of the basketball team. And me, this little uh, sophomore or whatever. But, uh, but here's the thing. I'm not so good at math. But, uh, but the one thing is I had math on my side, if you think about it. So, so how is math on my side? He's leaving, right? He about to graduate. <laughs> Kick him to the curb, right? And uh, she got one more year in school. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be right there, and I'm going to be a junior. <laughs> this is so crazy. Um, so, again, this is the illustrations. I wasn't clear-minded. Um, so so she, one thing I know about her is that she loves to sing. She's a great singer. And uh, they have, at the high school, they have this uh, choir ensemble. And uh, it's actually, like, if you sing, like, it's sort of competitive to get into. And so I know that she really wants to get in that. And so she's trying out for that. And I'm like, man, if only I could have some time, you know. You know, hey, you know, he's away. John's away now. And uh, I'm right here. So, I, you know, maybe I can try out for this choir ensemble. And, uh, you, know, you know, you spend a lot of time together, get to know each other. And i like... But I don't know how to sing. I've never done this before. I've been in church or whatever. So I signed up, and I go to the tryout, and the choir director, um, you know, he's like, hey, so what are you singing today? And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to bring something, you know, whatever. He goes, where's your accompanist? And I'm like, I don't have an accompanist. And so he just pulls out, like, this, you know, so he goes, what do you sing? I said, well, I sing hymns, you know, at church or whatever. And so he opens this, uh, opens this hymnal and uh, starts playing. I start singing, and I'm like, Oh my goodness, this, this is just so going downhill. This, this, I got to go to plan B, you know, and so, so I leave. Um, but next week they put up, right, you know, you know who, makes, who makes the choir ensemble and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go over there and, you know, see who's going to be with Britta and not me. And uh, so, there, so I, you know, look at the, at the list and, uh, you know, I go down uh, the guys first and I'm like, wait, Kent Steiner. What? I made it? No way. That's not possible. And then I look in the other list, and I'm like, brr, 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 brr. and her name's not on there. I'm like, there's got to be another list here, whatever. She did not make it. And I'm in choir. Not being sober-minded, clear-headed thinking was not happening at that time. It's all fun that you can laugh at me. That's, that's great. 
But have you ever not been clear-minded? Have feelings and thoughts ever fogged the brain? See, that's what Peter's raising up here, is that a time is vital. And we need to be sober-minded. We need to be self-controlled. See, here's the thing. God's word, God's word is like throwing on the fog lights for our minds. See, this is Psalm 119, 105. Familiar, but let's not its familiarity blow over us. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 105. That is what God's word is to us. It brings light. It brings clarity to what we are to be thinking, to what we are to be doing. See, it, we live in a dangerous place when we live in our own understanding. Because we can so quickly get off track. And when we don't practice this, it leads to trouble when we don't practice God's word. Because we are also to be self-controlled in our actions as well. Of sober spirit, it says. See, there's a good reason why drinking and driving is illegal, right? I mean, how much tragedy has been brought into this world because of those two things mixing. See, fleshly desires that remain unchecked and indulged literally are like committing a spiritual DUI. So let's think about that for a minute. Fleshly desires that remain unchecked and indulged are like having a spiritual DUI. See, we are new creations in Christ, and we are to be controlled only by the Spirit of God. But when we are not controlled by the Spirit of God, and our flesh is in the driver's seat, and our flesh is in the driver's seat, then damage happens. Tragedy is the result. When we are truly out of control. See, in a DUI condition, we can just run others over. You know, I've done that. Let's just talk about it. When your flesh is at the wheel of your soul and of your mind, you can react with hurtful words and anger to others. Or even just as much damaging passive aggressiveness towards them. That's a spiritual DUI. When your flesh is at the wheel, you can not look to encourage your sisters and brothers when, they're need, when that's needed, but then we can be quick to point out their weaknesses, quick to point out their failures instead of the encouragement that they need. See, when our flesh is at the wheel, we don't invest in others spiritually. No, just the opposite. Many times we take others morally off the road with us. When we are at the wheel and the spirit isn't at the wheel. 
See, we can't allow ourselves to continue on doing these things. Because as the text is telling us, we are to be building up the body of Christ. But here's the thing. Praise God, in our weakness, he is strong. And he can enable us to not compromise in these ways. That we can truly have the power of God. This time is so critical, we truly can't afford to compromise. We have to live with this urgency. See, living with urgency is protecting yourself from what can take you away from the Lord. And so these verses highlight that as we go through, because they actually even affect our prayers. Affect our prayers, as it says right there in verse 7. For the sake of your prayers. See, we need to be free from distractions so we can be focused to pray and ask the Lord to do in us and through us that which only he can do. But when we're not following his way, we're distracted and not able to pray that way. See, we need to be free from compromise so it doesn't hinder our prayers. Because sin separates us from God. We need to live with urgency. Here's a second objective that Peter gives us for building up the body of Christ is we need to love with fervency. We need to love with fervency. Let's read verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. See, it starts with above all. This means that we're to live out these objectives as the main priority in our life. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, right, that if we have not love, right, we have nothing. We can do nothing without love. It's so vital. And so he's calling us to love one another, to love one another earnestly. Earnestly actually means to do it with all your strength. I love this. Uh, In the original uh, language, the word earnestly was used regularly to describe what was happening in the Olympic Games. In the Olympic Games. And uh, so think about that. You know, hey, you have a race going on, right? And you are striving earnestly to hit the finish line, to get to the finish line first. You're using all your muscles, all your energy just to lean in and to break through before anybody else as you're competing in a race. See, we get that of striving earnestly in a race. But how do we love just like this, earnestly each other? Love earnestly each other this way. Well, here's a few things. Here's one. There are big ways to love. There are big ways to love. And uh, just some examples of that. Our own deacon, William uh, Wright, he recently donated his kidney to somebody. Talk about an act of love, of giving somebody his own kidney. That was definitely a demonstration of that. I know people in our church body, they have taken children in as their very own as their own family. How big of an example of love is that? 
But big ways of showing love aren't the only kind of love that it's talking about here. Here's another one. There are smaller ways to show love. Right? Everything isn't as big as that. Sometimes I know people bring someone here to worship service with them. What a small but significant way to show love. You know, I know families that have been going through a hard time and another family from our church will bring them a meal, right? Um, and to try and help them out, a loving demonstration. And so we need to be after those. But what this is talking about here specifically is a continuous extraordinary effort. Love is to be a continuous, extraordinary effort. It's doing it over the long haul. And so, you know, thinking of a marathon race, for someone to run the marathon, they don't just run fast for two miles, right? They gotta run all the way through, the whole way. That is how we are to be called as a church body, is to love all the way through. And so in order to do that, it isn't just doing loving things. That's the emphasis here, is that we're actually to be loving. Brothers and sisters, we're not just doing loving things, but we're actually to be loving. It's to be who we are. I was just thinking of this. Think about a time in your life when you've been loved with fervency. Just do, just do that right now. Just maybe even if it helps you even just close your eyes. Just think about that for a few seconds here. Think of a time when someone loved you like that. When they put your needs above their needs. When they knew what you exactly needed and met you right where you were at. See, that's the kind of love that we need to demonstrate to each other all the time. Because what kind of impact does that make, right? When we can truly have that with each other. You can open your eyes now if anyone still has that. See, Chicago West, that's what we're called to be. I know Pastor John and our elders, myself, we're grateful for how we see that happening here. And believe me, I hear that all the time of how people say, man, somebody in this body loved me. Somebody in this body showed up for me. And I didn't even know that they knew that I needed something. And like, I'm really loved here at this church. Praise the Lord, amen. But we can always raise that up, right? We can dial up the fervency of our love for each other. Well, I just have a few ways that we can do that. How we can dial up loving with fervency. Here's the first one, is connecting with God's love. So we really want to dial that up for ourselves and for our church. We first have to connect with God's love. See, we can't give away what we don't have. We must be continually connecting with the love source. That has to happen. Why is that true that that has to continually keep happening? 
Because our hearts leak. Our hearts leak. Right outside these walls, there's a 2007 vibe that I drive around. I heard some people laugh because they know about my car. All right. Boy, the, you know, it's up there 180 some thousand miles now. And boy, the oil does leak. I got to keep up on the oil. We got to keep connected to God's love. We got to continue to fill up because we do leak. And the thing is, the Lord knows this. He's not judging us. He can't wait for us to meet with him. So whether that is, you know, putting, on, putting the earbuds in your ears and connecting through worship music to God's love, we just sang, right, down deep in my soul, your joy down deep in my soul. We need to be singing that throughout the day, throughout the week. Be praying for the Lord's love to be injected into our souls. We have to be connecting with God's love to dial up our fervency. Here's the second thing. We have to be seeing with God's eyes. We have to be seeing with God's eyes. See, uh, Jesus, he saw the Samaritan woman. See, the Samaritan woman was at the well getting water. And when that culture was easy just to even overlook any women, let alone a Samaritan woman, Jesus saw her and Jesus went to her. And he engaged her right where she was at. Then Jesus also then told the, the Good Samaritan story, right? And how the, the traveler was all beat up on the path and everybody was going by. This uh, person laying on the ground, probably literally dying from his wounds of being robbed. And he was saying, what are we to do? just as the Good Samaritan did, to see, right, and to show compassion. See, we need to see with the Lord's eyes and asking him to, for us to recognize what we need to see and what we need to engage. That will dial up our fervency when we see through his eyes. And here's the last thing for dialing up is loving with God's love. Loving with God's love. See, the cross, the cross is the greatest demonstration of love that there will ever be. It's the greatest demonstration of love. And we have to live in view of the gospel, of what it is that Christ has done for us. So as we seek to come alongside of each other, that we have Christ's love for us in view. That makes our love powerful. That makes our love fervent. And see, in that then, who is it? Who is it that the Lord would have you to see? Who is it that the Lord would have you to have in view of the gospel, earnestly loving them? Who would it be that God is calling you to even right now? Because see, here's the next powerful truth. If we are fervently loving each other, this is what happens. Verse 8 finishes with, 
since love covers a multitude of sins. We're loving fervently, then love covers a multitude of sins. But first we have to go through what this doesn't mean. There's many misconceptions of, of what is true about this. Here's the first misconception. Is that doesn't mean that you show love to cover up bad behavior. This passage does not mean that you can act bad and then do a demonstration of love and that should just cover things up. That ain't love. That's not what this is talking about here. Doing a loving thing doesn't make up for sin. Here's the second thing that's not true. Here, this doesn't mean that you are to ignore or rationalize sinful or hurtful actions. If you see things that are sinful, if you see things that are wrong, see, love brings things to light. Love brings things out of the darkness to light. We are to speak the truth in love. So that's not what this passage is talking about here. So what does this mean, that love covers a multitude of sins? See, fervent love finds ways to show each other grace. Fervent love finds ways to show each other grace. Grace when someone is truly convicted of their actions and what they have done. Grace for someone who is seeking your forgiveness, that we would grant them forgiveness. Grace granted by forgiveness is love covering one another. See, Peter's probably actually thinking about a question he asked of Jesus. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. We're gonna turn to that. Peter literally asked Jesus a question and Jesus' response is literally what Peter must be thinking as he's writing this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18 and look at verse 21 and 22. All right, let's read this together. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times? That's Peter's question. Here's Jesus' answer. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Over and over again, we're to find ways to grant grace to each other. This is what it means for love to cover a multitude of sins. I love verse 8 as it gives, I mean, a verse 9 as it gives a specific way for us to then show this love for each other, and it's hospitality. <laughs> hospitality. Let's read uh, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. See, during this time in the early church, you were taking a great risk to offer hospitality to other Christians because you could get thrown in prison. You get persecuted for taking in Christians. 
But the church was known for taking in each other even when a Christian would come from one town to another and you wouldn't even know them. You would still take them in and you would show them hospitality. But see, we get to do that here right now as the body of Christ to show each other hospitality. See, the, the world, it's easy for the world to host people that they know and they're comfortable with and take care of them. And that's good and that's fine. But biblical hospitality is making a priority looking out for the left out. That's what biblical hospitality is, is looking out for the left out. So here's a question. Who could you bless with the blessings that you've been given? Who could you offer hospitality to? Welcoming to where you live or just taking them with you to somewhere you're going, offering hospitality. See, that's a charge that we've all been given. Even I was just thinking about this, even welcoming those that don't have a church home to your church home. How great is that? Hospitality, welcoming, welcoming them in. See, true hospitality is for all of us. But here's also the thing that this passage emphasizes is that uh, hospitality is also a spiritual gift. Some people in this room have that spiritual gift. Praise the Lord for you. And sometimes you don't get recognized for that gift. And so right now we're just praising the Lord for how this makes a great impact by using your gift. So thank you, Lord, for those that use their gift of hospitality to bless us, to build up the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, our final two verses show us what we are to do with our spiritual gifts. What are we to do with these spiritual gifts? Verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God. See, our last objective to building up the body of Christ is to lavish with generosity. It's to lavish with generosity. The good news jumps out right here, right away here in verse 10, is that everyone that I'm looking at right now who is a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a gift. You have a gift from God for the building up of the body of Christ. You all got a gift. And here's the great thing about being family, being the body of Christ, is then we got gifts together. All these gifts that are represented, then we all have them together. And we're to lavish each other with them with generosity, using our gifts. See, verse 10 also answers why you have been given the gift. It says right there, to serve one another. This is what I love right now. In our children's ministry, we have people using their teaching and worship gifts to be leading and serving our children and a blessing to us all using their gifts. Amen. And right, right back here, a lot of times they don't get recognized, but uh, I see Autumn, I see Wole, I see Loquisha, I see Mike back here. They're using their gifts of serving, right, 
for the building up of the body of Christ. So we can be worshiping together. So we can be taking God's word in together. They are lavishing us with generosity by getting here at 7.30 in the morning to serve using their gifts. See, lavish is used as a transitive verb, means literally to open the floodgates. To open the floodgates. Then we got a picture of a dam opening up right here, right? Picture that. The gifts we've been given, lavishing them on each other as the body of Christ. You know, the men got together for men's breakfast just yesterday. In so many ways, man, we were just blessed by our fellowship with each other. And coming together is so important. Well, lastly, as we finish uh, verse 10 off, you've been given the opportunity to steward your gifts. Let's look at the end of verse 10. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Good stewards of God's very grace. See, a couple of spiritual gifts are highlighted here. They're just generalized. Here's the first one, is speaking gifts. Speaking gifts. See, we're to use truthful words to build up one another. That's using our speaking gifts. The right words of God at the right time are powerful. Has anyone, anyone given you the right words of God at the right time? And what an impact they made? Using our speaking gifts to bless each other. So let's not miss out on the opportunities to speak the truth in love when needed. Let's receive the word of God when our pastor John is proclaiming God's word or any leaders from our church that we would receive it, right? As a blessing from the Lord to build us up. And the second general uh, category of gifts are serving gifts. These are using good works to bless one another. Using good works to bless one another. The help that is needed just at the right time that it's needed. How powerful is that? Let's not miss out on opportunities to bless each other when we are able. And sometimes we need this last reminder with that. It's let's receive Let's receive help from each other. Let's receive support from each other and be grateful when it's given. Sometimes pride gets in our way, right? But again, that's why we're here, to serve one another, and we have to receive the gifts from each other. Receive them from the gifts, from those who have the gifts of serving. Well, as our worship team comes up as we close, Here's the last question. What gifts do you got? What is it that God's given you to be a blessing, to build up the body? You know that you have them. Here's just a highlight. There's a listing of spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you want to just go check that out. Anybody looking through that, that would be helpful in you identifying that. But here's the thing. If we if we lavish with generosity our gifts to each other, here's what happens. Let's read verse 11 together here. The end of verse 11. 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. See, here's the thing. If we use our gifts and we receive the use of our gifts for each other, it doesn't just build us up, it glorifies God. God has brought glory when we use our gifts and we bless each other with them. Amen. Well, building up the body of Christ, right? First thing is we have to live with urgency. We have to love with fervency, right? Right? And we have to lavish, lavish with our gifts, with generosity. Let me pray. Lord, as we come right now to the end of receiving your spoken word, Lord, it isn't about the instrument up here, but it's about the living and abiding word of God. Lord, here at Chicago West, you've entrusted us to be a family, to be the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in you. And we are equipped to build each other up by the gifts that you have given to us. Lord, would we live with urgency? Lord, would we protect ourselves by your strength from the things that could distract us? That we'd be sound-minded? And that we wouldn't allow compromise? So that we can truly love earnestly love one another. The love that you've given to us, that we can be connected to that in our lives. That we could be seeing each other with your eyes and loving each other with your love. Lord, what could happen, Lord, if we experience your love together in these ways? Lord, I thank you for all the gifts, Lord, that are established here in you. Lord, each of us have them, but we all have them together. Will we truly be built up in you? And would you receive all the glory for that? And Lord, may we be moved now, moved now to sing this truth to you and bring us to the place that we need to be. Praise in Jesus' name.